Hello. Are we live? Yeah, we're live. <laughs> that was really bad. Yeah, I'm I'm knocking things over over here on this side of the desk. Welcome back to Let's Open the Bible, the Wednesday edition. If you're following us in order, it's Gavin over there laughing at me as I'm just knocking stuff everywhere. To, I've already broke a pair of readers. I just about broke all of our equipment. It's a great day. Hello, uh, Wednesday. Yes. Hello, <laughs> Wednesday. Good morning, Wednesday. So no, Good I just to see what you, I love Morticia. is I'm the the single most awkward person that you ever want to meet. I'm just, I stumble and fumble. It is and your middle name. Yeah, awkward is my middle name. Yeah. So um, what a, what a prescient name to be uh, called when I was born. Yeah, my my parents were were wise. Anyways, um, but. Russ is is so smooth. He's the opposite. He's smooth in the way he looks. He's smooth when he drives up. I'm like, man, well, I'm, that is I'm one cool cat. I'm yeah. streamlined. No yeah. hair. And uh, and so every once in a while he'll stumble, fumble, and bumble, and it makes me laugh because that is my life. Yeah. They don't call on the streets. I'm not known as stumbling bumble for nothing. That's right. Yeah. Not <laughs> not only by the way. Not only did I uh, knock over everything. I lost my place in the Bible. <laughs> I gotta get back to it. Wait, you lost your place? Your name's been blotted out? Uh, no, <laughs> no, but I, I had my place where we were going. By the way, listener, if you're with us uh, still, uh, we're going to be in First Timothy chapter two. Gavin's going to read for us verses eleven and twelve. He's a little fired up today, so bear with him. Uh, my wife says you you sound um, you sounded angry in Tuesday's oh, episode. No. You, you did tell me that. So, uh, and, and I told him today when, you know, I said, you got your angry game face on, uh, today, today we, we are dealing with the topic. So, so right now, whether you're a Southern Baptist or not, the Southern Baptist convention meets, uh, for just two or three days, two and a half days, whatever it is out of the year. And they are meeting right now in New Orleans. And, uh, last year to our shame, uh, I think the executive committee or whichever committee it was de- decided to. Uh, define what a pastor was. And uh, that came at the behest of some uh, upheaval within the SBC, namely uh, from Saddleback Church, which was the denomination's largest church, Rick Warren, who had um, uh, ordained some women. And uh, so the SBC decided to disfellowship with Saddleback along with, I think it was three other churches at the time. I'm going by memory. Uh, and so this year at the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, Mr. Warren has decided to write an open letter calling the SBC out, and he's made some some accusations. And so we just want to address that from a biblical perspective. There's a gentleman that has written a very, very, very thoughtful response to uh, Mr. Warren's allegations, uh, and his name is Glenn LaRue. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He's a pastor of University Baptist Church in Middleton, Ohio. And uh, he holds a Ph.D. in preaching from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And his response can PhD be— Ph.D. in preaching? I thought it was in theology. Sorry. Just—that's just, just that's fine. Uh, it says Ph.D. in preaching from Southern okay. Baptist Theological there you Seminary. You're reading uh, and so uh, the name of this article is Encore, Rick Warren, and the 12 Points of Manipulative Rhetoric in His Open Letter to All Southern Baptists. That can be found and read on a website called ChristOverAll.com. Uh, so, Gavin, if you want to um, read from First Timothy, and after I uh, open us with prayer, what is the what is the crux, the cross, the core, the heart of the of the situation? What, what do you think for for you? Um, if if you had to distill it down to, let me back up. Why I'm frustrated? I think there is such a thing as righteous anger, right? Absolutely. Um, uh, and and I, 
I don't know that I'm, I have that. So there may just be frustration, which is ungodly and I need to repent. And, and so, but there is such a thing as righteous anger and we know, we need to know how, when, and where to apply that. And it always must be applied in love. Right. Um, and so, but, but if you had to distill, so, so I don't, I don't want to communicate any anger, but if you had to distill the issue down to where you struggle with it, you doctrinal would, fidelity. Yeah. To, to me, it's not even about women preaching as much, and I know that's the manifestation of this issue, as much as it is the by what standard. Like, what is the canon? The canon is the standard, the measure, you know, and, and we say it. It's written in the Baptist faith and message, which is not my final authority, but it's written there that the, the final authority in all things in, in the church and in life is Scripture itself, right? And, and so when you go, all right, l- l- let's move away from that standard, and I, and I think it's subtle, and I don't think Rick Warren would say this, and I always try not to speak for him, make straw arguments, red herrings. I mean, all sorts of other logical fallacies. I don't uh, fallacies that I don't want to introduce into this discussion. I want to speak as he would speak. I want to give his best points. But I think subtly he, he has shifted us from the solid right rock of Christ and His Word to the sinking sand of culture. Well, and so and part, numbers, yeah. So my my primary issue is with doctrinal fidelity, but secondarily, right, really good. secondarily, my issue is the subtlety with which um, these lies that he's telling, whether he's cognizant of the subtlety of the lie or not, it, it is sounds good to the to the casual ear. His right. argument sounds good to the casual ear, which just reminds us of the garden. Sure, and, and and I think it's the flesh, the fleshly yes, ear. It right? appeals the, to the flesh. For and I bring this up all the time now in the podcast. I want you to get this: the, the, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. And we are called to faithfulness, and like I love fidelity, faithfulness, doctrinal faithfulness, doctrinal fidelity. That's what we're called to do. And you could disagree with how we understand scripture, but you're the only thing that I'm going to, uh, you know, allow you in my life to do is drive me back to that scripture and say, Hey, have you considered this? And I, I don't have it all figured out. I love listening to, to disparate views, uh, very, and, and, and all over the place. Now I don't want to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. I don't, I don't want to just be, you know, blowing in the wind doctrinally, but I also know that a man who trusts in his own mind is a fool. I want to be anchored into the word. And if somebody can say, Hey, have you thought about it like this? Great. That's not what you see in the letter so far as we've written. And, and right. I do want to put a little disclaimer out there that Russ and I are kind of reading this on the fly. Both of us have busy schedules. Um, this well every week, but uh, we're doing this kind of on the fly. One of the things I don't know if you listened to his uh, address to the SBC at last year's convention. I did, but one that of the made things, me cringe. Sorry, yes, sorry. So Mr. his Warren. his foundation for being right was the fact that he has ordained more pastors than all of the seminaries. It, that says nothing to the uh, doctrinal fatality. You know, it just says that he's he's preaching an attractional message and he's attracted a lot of people and ordained a lot of people, but that does not say anything about his doctrine. Well, there's a semi-local pastor that teaches classes on how to grow a church. And it has nothing to do with scripture, and, yeah. and and you go okay, so so really, if there's a faster growing religion, forget denomination, they must be right because might makes right, might makes right, numbers make you, you know 
good doctrine. And you'll see that with youth programs. Hey, down the road, they have a great youth program. Down the road, they have a youth program that's going, that, that is teaching really, really fleshly. And I want to make, because when you appeal to the flesh, the flesh is attracted. Right. It takes no spirit Always. to go, wow, yeah. Yeah, so right down the road, well, they're appealing to the flesh, and the flesh loves it, and they're the fastest growing church in the area or whatever, you know. And so, um, but there was a, another point to that. Um, oh, yeah, what does Jesus say about the wide road, and many are, are there that find it? Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's again, it's the it's the allure, it's the subtlety. What were you gonna say? I, I just want to make real sure that we we go just because something's growing doesn't also, mean it's good. Well, no, no, no. I also want to flip that too. It doesn't mean it's bad. Right. The You're question right. is the standard is not the numbers. Yeah. The standard is not the charisma of the pastor. What's the point? If the point is anything other than glorifying God, the telos, right? Doctrinally sound teaching and preaching, then you've missed the point. Amen. Period. There are great godly pastors of great godly mega churches that are doing it right. There are plenty that aren't, but there are plenty that are, and he seems to have lost his way. I'm not sure that there are plenty that are, so I'll push back a little. There are a few, right, but it doesn't disqualify you. Like a wealthy man doesn't necessarily need to be ungodly. Right. But, man, wealth has destroyed. Many of you have been pierced with many pangs, according to 1 Timothy 6, as you pursue money, and you can't love both, and it's hard to love not love something above God and still have plenty of it. Though, there are, there are wealthy Christians. There I are. Mean, like, godly, yeah. good, wealthy doing, Christians. Doing great, godly things. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So, let's open with prayer, and then uh, you read us, uh, you read to us uh, from First Timothy. Uh, Father, we thank you for today, Lord, and for your word that guides us in all truth. And, uh, Lord, uh, just now, in this moment, I pray, Father, for those um, messengers in New Orleans representing the Southern Baptists and the churches they, they come from, from all over the country, perhaps from around the world. Lord, I pray for wisdom for them. Uh, Lord, that they would, uh, Father, trust you and lean not on their own understanding. Uh, Lord, that you would direct their steps, Father, according to your word. And Father, that they would see through the veneer, through the fallacy of thinking that uh, numbers are the uh, absolute end-all, be-all. Uh, so, Father, I, I pray, Father, for um, cool heads, people that um, remain calm for a business meeting that would be conducted in uh, decently and in order. But, Lord, that your truth, uh, the veracity of Scripture, uh, Lord, would be sufficient and that you would be glorified and praised. We love you, Father. We praise you, and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we are going to look at First Timothy. Um, and listener, we, we've covered this passage, yes, and you can go back good. and listen to this, but we're covering this from a, a specific situation that's taking place literally as we speak. And we are not going to dig into the, the, the nuts and bolts of the text. We're just going to say, you know, he, he, we're going to struggle through what's going on in the SBC. So I don't like this necessarily, but we are going to use this text as a jump-off point. And hopefully we will take every thought captive to obey God and his word, but but we will use this as a jump-off point. So 1 Timothy 2, 8, we'll start there. I desire that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, and I, I, I understand this to mean that in every place. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respect respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. 
Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, and we spoke about that last time as being the created order of things. It's it's uh, It has nothing to do with value. If any woman feels at all like a second-rate citizen, I think we, ha- in, unless that is entirely on their perception rather than what is communicated, many complementarians do in fact communicate and sometimes practice the second-rate citizenship of women, and that is not godly. But there is a difference in role, Right. So, uh, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over man. Rather, she is to remain quiet, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived. But the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet, she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So, you have two options right now that we'll start off with. One, you can say, okay, that's the Word of God. Um, Let's believe it and accept it as was intended. Or, I don't care what the Word of God says or I don't believe it's the Word of God. So if it's the word of God and you say, okay, I want to find out what it means and I want to live that out, Coram Deo, living in the presence of God to the glory of God according to the word of God, I want to live Coram Deo. If, if that's where you are, we got to figure out what it means. Now, you can at first say, well, that's just to a certain group of people. That's that's you know that's to what the Ephesians and and uh, so it, it's to a certain place, certain people, and it doesn't really matter. Um, we don't have to live it out, but it says all people everywhere. And then the things that are, are listed, like men are to pray and, and lift up hands and, and women are um, to, to n- not wear gaudy attire. I don't think that's just an isolated community. And certainly it could be to address specific things in that community, but it is generally applicable, as is I do think that the that the role of women, they're not to teach or exercise authority over men. And then you get into 1 Timothy 3, and in 1 Timothy 3, you see clearly the difference between elder and deacon, and and elders are 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 clearly to be men. And there's no list of women, no list of wives. It is it is the 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 elder position is to be men. In in my opinion, and to the best I've read, I've heard how um, that it doesn't mean here that they are to be the head of. It means they're the source of. And I've heard those arguments do collapse. And there's some good. If you want to spend a lot of time, you can look up the words. You can study the original languages. You can read some some thoughtful. Um, uh, commentators on those things, but all right. So we've covered kind of the foundation. Where do you want to right. go from there? So, well, let's just look at, um, you know, what, uh, Dr. LaRue uh, okay. has responded to what Rick Warren has said. And I, I really like, first of all, uh, Dr. LaRue is, 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 I think a very, obviously very intelligent, but very thoughtful. Right. Uh, and, and methodically and one, goes through this letter. Yeah. One of the things I appreciated is, is about this is he recognized the fallacies of, of, of Mr. Warren, I'm gonna call him Mr. Warren, uh, Mr. Warren's uh, statement. And so his, the fir- very first part, the way he opens, the way Mr. Okay. Uh, Warren opens this. Can we do two things? Before? Yes, okay. quickly. So um, one, I, I wanna say that what, what Rick Warren is doing here is asking what is a pastor? He's forcing the question, right? And so um, c- uh, controlling words, controlling minds, and I've not read the book, but it, it what it's saying here is what we all know. If you control the language, you control the way we think about situations. This very question, what is a pastor, has a parallel, what is a woman issue going on as well. Right, that's like right. We're, we're, we're working through it basically. And so you go, okay, well, the Bible seems to make it pretty clear. And people are going, well, it seems to be pretty clear throughout history what a woman is. And in both of these things, now we're going, okay, what's a pastor? What's a woman? We're redefining things in order to control the conversation, to control the narrative, and to control ultimately the way we think about things and the mind, right? So so I think that's really important. Secondly, when was the letter that uh, Mr. Warren, when was the letter that he wrote? Uh, June 2nd. Okay, of this year? Yes. Okay, so this is very current. 
And the response was, do you have that listed pulled up? Uh, from Mr. LaRue, Dr. Yeah, LaRue? Pastor, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dr. LaRue. Okay. I do. Which yeah. do you think is the, real quick, I know, I know you're a doctor and I don't ever call you doctor. So which do you think is the highest um, title? Pastor. Yeah, me too. Every time. Yeah. Shepherd. Lowly, lowly, beautiful, God-glorifying shepherd is I, what I what well, I, I just, strive to be. I, I tell people just, yeah, I'm Russ. You can call me what you want. My yeah. name's Russ. Yeah. You know, it's just, I'm just a guy. So, yeah, I, the reason I don't mind pastor is it, it, it really is like, this is what you're called to do in my life. It, right. It, it, it's like if somebody would go, hey, provider. Like not yeah. as as it like a sugar daddy, but like, hey, that's your responsibility in my life is to provide him. If my wife would say, "Hey, provide a protector," I heard a sound. Go take care of it. You know, like that's what you're called to do. Right. You're shepherding. You're to shepherd the sheep. So, uh, anyways, go ahead. Let's, my let's chairman, of the, my chairman of the deacon calls me preacher. He says, uh, according to Revelation, I'm the angel of the church. I haven't wrapped my arms around that uh, <laughs> entirely, but uh, I love him. Uh, all right, so well, uh, messenger. It's all it means. You are a messenger. So, so. so Mr. Warren doesn't really even address specifically women in his letter. He's really attacking the decision of the Southern Baptist Convention against him. And he starts off by talking about how, you know, the denomination 17 year decline. And this is at the very beginning and the loss of just, just do the introduction. So the very first line in it is, and we can re- I'll read it. Yeah. As a Southern Baptist pastor with multi-generations of pastors in my family, my life has been shaped and nurtured by the SBC. I'm writing this open letter for two reasons. First, the, so this is the, the kickoff. First, I am deeply concerned about our denomination's 17 years of decline and the loss of a half million members just last year. No denomination can sustain that kind of loss. Se- uh, and So let's start, start let's there. Let's talk about the fallacy, first of all. Again, he's talking about, you know, he's speaking from authority because it comes from a long line of Southern Baptists, which has no bearing on doctrinal fidelity. That's an appeal to authority. That's, that's absolutely. A, so these are logical fallacies that will list an appeal to authority. So, so when you hear, you know, four out of five doctors recommend, uh, what do you, what do you have on your desk? Water. Rogaine for oh. men. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> four out of five dentists recommend Rogaine for their teeth. Anyways, whatever. Uh, that's a... <laughs> Uh, anyways, that's, we're out of a that's an appeal. That's an appeal to consensus and an appeal to authority. Right. All right. Yeah. And so then he then he starts speaking to the decline, a loss of a half a million. And so by doing that, Mister or Doctor Larue uh, points out rightly that what he's doing here is he's he's effectively connecting the decline with his position. He's saying that effectively the reason why people have left is because the SBC voted against me. Yeah, he's trying to link his argument with the decline. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 here's the uh, let's just read um, Dr. Larue's response. Um, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. All right. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm flipping back and forth between. Okay. So by putting this concern in the beginning of his letter, Warren suggests a link between our denominational size and his specific issue. The suggestion is that taking a biblical stand concerning the role of pastor will further hurt the SBC. This is the, this is an appeal to consequence. This is an argumentum ad consequentium. Mm-hmm. Like so, okay, you want to know why I'm right? Because it because it'll build numbers. That's a consequence. It's rather than it's not right. an appeal to truth. Right. It's not an appeal to reason. It's an appeal to consequence. All right. So that's that's what he's saying here. So uh, there are several several wrong assumptions built into this connection. First, it suggests that numerical popularity is the standard by which the SBC sh- should be measured. 
without regard for uh, basic biblical convictions, right? You want let's let's just talk about that for a half second. Okay. I mean, go ahead. What, what, well, it goes back to what we were just discussing. Right. You know, these churches that tickle the ears tend to draw people because it's an appeal to the flesh. They so tend good. to attract yeah. numbers. And that's effectively what Rick Warren is doing with his opening uh, salvo. Right, right. And, and, and Might makes right. I, right. I have all the numbers. So um, what, was, what was the mega church that, that Jesus led? And, and again, I, now that, that, they that all is walked a away. Long, that, that, that's an anachronistic and a whole different mission. I mean, all sorts of problems I've just introduced to it. So that's not really a great argument. But but listen, if you just are measuring it by sheer numbers, at the end of his ministry, he had none. When he passed away on the cross, when he was murdered on the cross, when he was crucified, everybody left him including Peter, he said, if everybody leaves you and if I need to die, I will not leave you. And he denied him three times, right? Yeah. They all fled. Yeah. So, and you would say, well, they really didn't leave him. They all came back and they all died martyrs. But at that moment, you would say Jesus' ministry was a failure. Let's go to the ark. How many people followed Noah into the ark? Eight. Well, seven. Seven, yeah, yeah. and then eight with Noah. Right. Okay, so, so and, and, and I, it, I don't want to ever communicate... We're shooting for small numbers. We're, that's not the, the telos. That's not the purpose. That's not the goal either. God is the goal. Always. Every yes, time. Every time. So secondly, it says it assumes, this is again, speaking to uh, Mr. Warren's opening salvo, it assumes that the key to growing numbers is having the loose standards for unity when in fact denominations that drift from biblical standards tend to diminish in size. All right, what does that mean? Well, clearly, I mean the 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 denomination. I mean, just look around. Right. You you got the the UMC is hemorrhaging churches and pastors because they've decided to let go of any kind of doctrinal fidelity and affirm homosexual marriage and women pastors. And and so it, basically, they're holding the the people that want to hold to sound doctrine hostage by requiring hundreds of thousands of dollars for them to get out of the denomination and maintain their pastor in their church. Right. So every denomination, all of the mainstream denominations that have drifted have diminished, right? Yes. And, and, and have broken up and lost people and lost uh, money. I mean, all they've lost in every way they've diminished, right? The ones that have said, okay, we need to be more winsome and appealing. Well, listen, if you're going to be winsome and appealing in a way that loses the very uh, uh, troubling parts of Scripture that, that – make me wise unto salvation, those things that are able to save my soul, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to jettison those in order to win people, well, I'm telling people right now, if you go to a church like that, might as well go to a football game. Just go to, I mean, they're, they're both equally and the, they're equally inefficient ineffective, uh, and effective. Make it a moose lodge or an American Legion amen. or whatever, because that's all it is. Yeah. But what did Paul say? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. Yeah yeah. 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 So that's been lost in this. Amen. Um, uh, so the, the diminishing, uh, denominations, I, I, I just wanted to bring up Jay Gresham Mason, uh, that great Presbyterian, right. And he, and he wrote Christianity and liberalism. When most people were thinking there was liberal Christians and conservative Christian, there's liberal Christianity and conservative Christianity. And Machen made the, the point that no, there is Christianity and then, then there's this liberalism and they're not the same. When you lose scripture as your anchor, you're no longer a lesser watered down Christianity. You've lost the faith. Mm. And there are people out there. You, I mean, it's, it's where you end up in the Unitarian 
you know, denomination. I mean, they, they've lost the faith. Yeah. You're, you're, you know, you're liable to go here at a Unitarian church, someone reading the cat and hat. I mean, there's just, there, there is no, no standard there at all for what is right. And and again, I, maybe I slipped this in without explaining it. The canon literally does mean the standard. It is the rule of, it is our rule of faith. The Bible is the canon. The, the canon is the, and the measure. The measure is the scripture and we need to live by it. So the third problem with okay. Mr. Warren's introduction there, according to Dr. LaRue is, and rightly, it is reductionistic reductionistic. There are actually numerous factors that have contributed to the numerical decline of the SBC in the recent years, cultural, doctrinal, and procedural, and so on and so forth, including a political, including, uh, you know, which falls under the uh, under the political is the, the aspects of the fallout from COVID and a variety of other things. Yeah, but let's also look at this. So one of the problems that, that has been um, brought to the forefront about complementarianism is every single philosophy has its abuses. And as I've said before, Augustine uh, well said, St. Augustine well said, never judge a philosophy by its abuses, right? So complementarianism versus egalitarianism. Complementarianism, same in value, different in roles. Egalitarianism is anything you can do, I can do, be- uh, I can do as well. Or right. better sometimes, right? So, so I believe that the Bible is specifically, directly, without question, complementarian. In its nature, there are men have roles in leadership, um, and and to be a servant leader, a loving leader, a kind leader. Women have other distinct, various roles, and and sometimes they're not. Sometimes we have culturally assigned roles to men and women that are not appropriate biblically. I want to I want to push back against that, but anyway. So so I believe that's true. Now, what are the abuses of complementarianism? So I, I believe I just said I think it's a good and biblical practice. What are the abuses? Well, I just think we saw a whatever page report. Is it a 250 page report on? It's several. Yeah. Yeah. Something like the, that. On the uh, sexual abuses of pastors and, posi- and people in positions of authority right. in the SBC. Yeah. Well, I'm not trying to sweep that under the rug. I, 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 it shames me. To, to our shame. Yes. And, 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 and I love this. This has been, what is this month called? Juneteenth. No, this month is called. What do we set? I mean, oh, for the month. Yeah, the, yeah, it's uh, Pride Month. The Bible speaks of pride almost universally in the negative. There are some some passages that speak about it in in the positive, but almost universally, you know, pride cometh before the fall. Pride is for foolish people. From pride only comes contention. I mean, just it's the pride is a very negative thing. And now we're celebrating. I go back to the verses that say that we no longer know how to be ashamed. We no longer in the in the ESV it says we no longer knew how to blush. Did they blush? No, they didn't blush. They knew, they don't they forgot how to blush. Yep. We don't even know how to be ashamed. In fact, they say if you're ashamed, it's a bad thing. No, we should be ashamed of sin. And so that two hundred back to the point two hundred fifty page report is I think a declaration of the p- potential abuse of a good practice and doctrine of complementarianism. It is abused when men take their positions of authority and and uh, assault people and attack people and put people down and domineer over people. And the Bible explicitly warns against that. You have this position, don't use it to domineer. Right. What's that? First Peter five. All right. Very good. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, this we is probably all the time we have for today's episode. We're going to come back tomorrow with more on this matter. Until then, God bless.